Hello, you're very welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from OnShot.net. Special episode. I support Claire Morris and Board of Management Integrity. Hello, hello, uh, it's Simon here from OnShot.net with this special episode of If I Were the Minister for Education. Claire Morris isn't a place I know very well. Um, sometimes if um, we're heading back to my in-laws in County Mayo, instead of going through Roscommon and then on to Ballina, which is kind of the more direct route to where my wife's family are from, we take the Castle Bar Road and we end up going through Claire Morris. Um, the reason we do this is so we can actually get to Castle Bar to get our lunch uh, because it's a nice restaurant we like there. However, you know, the thing that always kind of surprises me about Claire Morris is that it's actually much bigger than I thought it would be. Um, every time I go through it, I forget that it's actually a fairly big town. I mean, it has an Aldi, for example. Yeah, that is my measurement of a big town. Um, my definition of a city isn't quite that, you know, it has an Aldi and a Lidl, but it is big enough that Lidl certainly applied for planning permission earlier in the year. But this special episode isn't a guide to the supermarkets of Mayo, though I will say the new Aldi in Belmullet is quite nice. Um, this episode is about a school. It's a school where 13% of their pupils have had a positive diagnosis of COVID-19. A school where its board decided that they needed to close the building to stop the spread of the virus. It was a school that was then told to open back up on Monday morning. And apart from the question as to whether the school should remain open or closed, it does ask the bigger question, who actually runs schools? Another measure of how big a town is, is whether it's big enough to host a boys school and a girls school. Now, I'm not going to waste an opportunity to remind you that Ireland boasts the highest percentage of single sex schools in a secular republic. But this won't be the last time I take a swipe at the structures of primary schools in Ireland in this episode. And in fact, that, you know, I'm not really going to be telling you anything that you don't already know about the boys school in Clare Morris that tried to shut its school a few days ago and then was swiftly ordered to reopen it. I just wanted to look at the bigger picture of this story in this episode. However, if you are listening to this episode uh, for the very first time, uh, number one, you're very, very welcome uh, to this podcast. Usually, uh, this uh, podcast takes um, a part of the primary school system that I would change if I were the Minister for Education, hence the title. Uh, but often I do special episodes um, if there's something going on in the education system uh, that kind of breaks into the mainstream news, or sometimes there's a, a circular that's released that you know, I might do a, what I call a poetry reading of it. And um, so this is one of those special episodes. However, if you're also listening to this episode outside of Ireland, and you might be unfamiliar with our education system, you know, well, firstly, thanks for listening. Um, and, and secondly, I kind of have to wonder, why would you want to listen to an episode about the Irish education system if you weren't in the Irish education system. But anyway, I, I, I really have to be honest on this. I, I have this thing on my podcasting app that tells me how many people have listened to the episode and where they've listened from. And this this podcast is actually charted in Canada for one week. Um, and it wasn't actually the episode about New Brunswick. 
Anyway, for the very few of you that might have clicked on this podcast uh, because of its somewhat clickbaity title, here's the story uh, so far, up until about Sunday afternoon when I'm recording this episode. Um, uh, and when I say Sunday afternoon, we're talking about the 12th of December, I think, if I'm not mistaken. 13th of December, sorry. Um, I suppose, how do you best say it? Um, I suppose in Ireland, we have a mad education system okay i think that's possibly the best way to put it all of our primary schools are private schools except they're not because they're publicly funded by taxpayers money and because of this teachers are paid directly by the state but their workplace is um not managed by the state in fact it's managed by a group of eight volunteers and one of those is the principal who is not only um one of the board of management and an employer of the of, of you he's also an employee or she's also an employee it's confused fear not it gets worse most big towns have schools for boys and schools for girls yes it's 2020 by the way um and these schools are completely separate from each other they're not like a joint school they're completely separate from each other they have different roll numbers they've um they may not necessarily have a different address but they certainly have a different postcode or air code they've different boards of management different principles and most likely very different cultures and in claire morris by thursday the 10th of december over 10% of the boys' schools' pupils tested positive for COVID-19. Their first case, as far as I can see from the alert, you know that, that Facebook group, well, you probably don't if you're uh, listening in from a, uh, from a different place, but uh, anyone who's in Ireland might be aware of a Facebook group which alerts parents of outbreaks um, of COVID-19. Um, it seemed to have been just over a week ago, maybe a little earlier. The girls' ca- school seemed to, and again, I'm only going by this uh, Facebook page because, uh, strangely enough, um, you might be wondering why am I getting my information from a Facebook page rather than the government data but more about that later um, anyway the, the girls school had their first reported case I think on the 8th of December on a holy day no less um, and then for those of you who aren't familiar the 8th of December could be an, an episode in itself um, uh, on this podcast but I digress we have a lot to cover so with over 10% of pupils um, and as far as we know, a large number of close contacts, um, including staff, all isolating. As far as I can see from their website, and they've been very good sharing, several classes are isolating at the moment. The school's board decided that the safest thing to do would just be to shut up shop and move to remote learning, which completely makes sense. Of course it does. It does make sense. So just, just to maybe take a sidestep for a second, we, we need to move to another big town, Port Leash okay and on the same day as this school in uh, Claire Morris decided to close down the HSC closed a school of 740 pupils down on that day now the difference with Claire Morris is the HSC didn't close the down the boys school they didn't deem it uh, a need they didn't deem that the boys school needed to close and basically when um, the Claire Morris Board of Management tried to close the school down the Department of Education within hours it possibly wasn't even hours, instructed the school to reopen. And the board released a statement. And this is the statement they released. School governance, and this is the um, Department of Education. I know um, in other countries, governance are boards of managers, but this is school governance as in the board of management. Or sorry, as in the Department of Education. <laughs> sorry, I'll say that again because uh, it could be confusing, uh, especially if you're... Um, if you don't if you don't know the structures of schools school governance is a department of education section it's not the school's board of management anyway 
They have spoken with me, principal, as of 2.30 today, December 11th, and are insisting as we are not health professionals, do not have the advice from public health to close and cannot close school and from Monday must reopen. Remote learning for those isolating should continue and normal school attendance for everyone else should resume on Monday, December 14th. Sorry to be the bearer of that news. And that's where they stand right now. By the way, this girls' school, which isn't called Claire Morris's Claire Morris Girls' School, there is Claire Morris Boys' School, by the way, um, it seems to be called School for a Gone Small, because up until first class, they do take in boys. Seriously, don't ask. If you don't know, just, just don't ask. They didn't have anything to say um, on the matter. Like, remember, the boys' school and the girls' school are probably very close to each other. Um, the boys' school, 10 to 13% of their children have COVID-19 um, diagnoses. We don't know from School Verragon Small because up until um, on that day, according to their lovely website, because I looked at their website too, um, it seems that the last piece of news they have was they were measuring things for maths in their classroom. So, you know, look, to be honest, you think the two schools were in different counties, <laughs> you know, never mind in the same town. But again, I'm digressing a little bit, but only just a little bit, to be honest with you. Because, because I guess what I'm trying to do is to try and explain how complex our education system is um, and why these situations are happening. That this school has been left, in a way, on its own. I don't hear any other schools in Clare Morris. Now, I could be wrong on that, and maybe I haven't looked hard enough. I don't hear of the other schools in Clare Morris um, doing anything, really, or saying anything, or whatever. But like, maybe that's maybe that's not fair, and maybe that's just uh, from my own uh, lack of research. Um, remember, I am doing this uh, very, very quickly um, since uh, this case came to light. But I suppose Clare Morris is just typical. It's, it's a typical small town in Ireland. Um, it's probably not very different to towns like Bagnallstown in Carlow, Kilcullen in Kildare, or even Mitchellstown in Cork in terms of size, you know, population, all that kind of stuff. Now, Bagnallstown is the most local to me um, because I live in Carlow, Carlow Town, um, and I, I live between Carlow Town and Bagnallstown. And what I know about Bagnallstown is it has a boys' school, and then it's got one of these weird convent schools that only lets boys infiltrate it until first class uh, before it becomes a girls school i think it also has a church of ireland school and it has two secondary schools uh, one of which is uh, was was known as a tech um or a vc and now an etb and one which i think is a community uh, school i don't know much about secondary schools but there's two of them anyway for a very small town and um, by three thousand population same as um, just over three three and a half thousand like claire morris now, there's no schools for those of us that don't partake in Christianity, just as a matter of interest, and each of these schools have separate boards of management. Now, if there's three primary schools in Bagnallstown, that means there's 24 volunteers that run these schools as board of management for about the 3,000 people that live there. So in effect, almost 1% of the population of Bagnallstown run their schools, which sounds lovely. The trouble, though, for schools is that all the rules that they have to follow aren't made up by them they're made up by two other bodies the first um is uh, that runs their schools and runs their ethos basically about how they do things um is made up of religious bodies so in Clermaris and Bagnallstown it's either the Catholic Church or the Church of Ireland they're the only two entities that um exist and therefore all the schools in both those towns run under a Christian denomination 
and they make sure that Christianity permeates throughout the school throughout the day. That's their job. The other crowd that make the rules are the Department of Education and they release circulars every five minutes and schools basically have to follow them. However, if anything goes wrong in these schools, guess who's responsible? Even if they had no role whatsoever in making the rules where the problem occurs. Now I'd say, you've probably guessed it, yes, it's the Board of Management. They are actually responsible despite not making any of the rules. Yes, it's that nice group of eight people who are now, who are legally responsible for absolutely everything that happens in their schools, whether that's a GDPR issue, a child protection issue, or a bullying issue, or whatever. And do the schools have any choice in how their policies are implemented? Well, these days they don't really. I mean, pretty much all the big policies are now templates that are um, given to us by the Department of Education and they can't be deviated from. Look at the admissions bill, look at the um, uh, anti-bullying policy, look at GDPR, look at child protection over the last while. You haven't been able to deviate from those. I mean, effectively, you didn't, no school wrote them. Effectively, the Board of Management rubber stamped them. So what we have in Ireland is a situation where the Department of Education makes all of the rules for schools, but takes no responsibility for what happens to them, which in a very, very long-winded way, I've been trying to do there for the last while, brings us back to Clare Morris Boys School and who is actually running the show. Now, I think the easiest way to explain this situation is to read both the school's Board of Management statement and then the Department of Education's statement on the matter. And to me, I think it tells the whole story. And I want to um, just read what Mark Loftus, who is the principal of the Clare Morris Boys School, said on the 10th of December. And this is it in full. Now, um, I suppose I, I need to warn you, it's quite long, um, but it's worth listening to and worth, um, I think it's worth listening to anyway. Mark, um, as I said, I'll tell you about Mark after I read it. Okay, the Board of Management and Principal have taken the very difficult decision to close the school from Friday, December 11th, 2020, to Tuesday, January 5th, 2021, inclusive of Christmas holidays. We believe it's the right thing to do and necessary at this stage. In addition to this, we are unable to get substitute teachers to come in for members of staff who are needing to isolate. The substitutes are not available and those who are, their fears are and understandable anxieties not to want to come into school with an increasing COVID infection rate is an additional reason for health and safety in teaching and supervising pupils. Although contact has been made with the HSE, public health authorities and both Department of Education and Schools, School Governance Section and the Inspectorate who advised and communicated they understood our frustration and anxiety, they couldn't provide their support to close the school. We want to help prevent further elevation and spread of COVID cases among the school community. We also want to allay anxiety and fear among pupils, parents, staff and the wider school community. That is why we as the Board of Management took the very difficult decision to close on uh, December 11th. Public Health, however, would not support a decision to close the school as they felt there was insufficient evidence that the levels of cross-infection between classes exists. Therefore, the department wouldn't support the decision either as Public Health had not declared it a necessity. We're very aware of the terrible inconvenience this places on families, uh, or on parents and pupils and ask for your understanding in what has been an extremely stressful, anxious and unfortunate situation for all of our pupils and their families, for staff and their families and the wider school community and in our attempt to support and maintain the health, safety and well-being of our pupils, their families, the teaching staff and their families and the wider school community. 
We hope you realise and understand that we tried our absolute best to keep COVID out of our school and to promote, enforce and encourage the COVID-19 plan in the school. We are deeply frustrated at the system adopted by public health on cross-infection levels and the department regarding COVID-19 and its effect to insist that schools remain open at all costs. We believe these exceptional closures are necessary. The effects of this closure will be somewhat relieved by online platforms. Seesaw is set up to maintain remote learning opportunity for pupils and will continue. If the department requires to make up the days, these will be made up from the lead up to Easter 2021 and the intended voluntary closure in the first week of May and the summer holiday closure would instead be the 30th of June. Otherwise, the original school calendar stays in place. May I take this opportunity to wish you all well and thank you all sincerely for your support and efforts and anyway, continues on from there. Now, I can't say I know Mark very well, apart from his contributions to a mailing list we're both part of. And like me, um, he's not succinct, I'll give him that, <laughs> I'm only messing if you're listening. But what I can get from this statement is that he really cares about his school community. Think, th listen, if you wanted to listen back and listen to the amount of time he talks about families all the time, he's all about the families and the staff's families and um, you know really really cares he's tried to cover everything he can with great understanding about the inconvenience that it would it, it, it would have caused and so on I even heard him later on. I actually I actually delayed my way going home um, that day because I heard he was going to be on news talk that evening with Kieran Cudahy and he did his best to put across why his school had decided what they were doing was right the only thing he didn't do or the only thing he didn't say was he believes that the HSC and MFET are fiddling with the figures for school community transmissions. Now, I think he implied or inferred it maybe in that statement, but he's probably wiser than I am But it, by, by not saying it. But to be honest, it's exactly what seems to have been happening. Now, let's move on to the Department of Education, who moved swiftly that day. And because um, it's very hard to find anything they say, this is what I could find. And I found it from the Irish Times, which, as most teachers probably know now, is now how schools generally find out about anything to do with education rather than actually through the Department of Education. So the Irish Times reported the statement that uh, the Department of Education came. I'm rolling my eyes as I say that. It's just amazing how we find out all our news through the Irish Times. I, and I don't know why it's the Irish Times uh, and not another paper. Um, you'd think they go for, I don't know, some other one. But anyway, they said... Earlier, the department had said in a statement that while it didn't comment on individual cases, they're just about to, schools were required to follow public health advice on whether to close or not following COVID-19 cases. And this is uh, in quotes. While we understand that schools and principals have been working tirelessly through these unprecedented times, there is no public health rationale for altering agreed standardized school breaks, said the spokesman. Schools will close for the Christmas holidays as arranged on Tuesday, December 22nd and not Friday, December 18th. I don't know why they said that. Uh, these holiday periods have been fixed to allow parents and school communities to plan ahead for basic work, child-minding necessities and any other family plans at this time of year. Now, I think, I don't know if you picked up on it, that it's vitally important to read the last bit slowly. I'll do it. These holiday periods have been fixed to allow parents and school communities to plan ahead for basic work. Here's a slow bit. Child-minding necessities and any other family plans at this time of year. Now, before you um, jump on what I said extremely slowly, what else is missing from that sentence, do you think? I'll give you a few seconds. I'm going to take a sip of tea. 
I'll just say it again. To plan ahead for basic work, childminding necessities and any other family plans at this time of year. Well, if you guessed education or learning or even well-being, you win today's prize, which you probably have already. It's a dropped jaw. Yeah. Now, I'm not alone in saying that the only reason the government were so keen to open schools wasn't for the good of children's education or well-being or anything else they, they, they basically lied about. It was so teachers and staff would babysit kids so parents could work. We knew this. They never actually said that, officially though, until now. That's actually what they said. It is a statement from the Department of Education. Now, look, I could get all huffy and puffy and whingy and all the other words people describe as teachers about this and rant like an Egypt that I didn't go to college for that number of years and all that kind of nonsense. I get it. I get it. I knew we were all going to this huge amount of work so we could be babysitters. I know that. I know that was the case. So in some ways, I'm a little bit relieved to have it finally officially confirmed and said and stated that this was the role that the government had for us. Yes, for COVID-19, we are teachers and childcare settings. We are the national babysitting service. And you know what? Once we know that, that's fine. We'll still do our jobs as best as we can because that's what we do. I suppose what's a little bit bruising is the fact that the general public also knew this. Do you know? I, I kind of think, you know, I'm not, I'm not naive. Everybody knew the reason schools were opening was so children could have childcare, free childcare, um, and so parents could work. I mean, I, th I, I kind of think so. Do you, I mean, do you know how I can compare it? Um, and just so I don't ruin things for anyone right now, um, if you've got somebody small or somebody in your car that might be listening in right now, um, or somebody who's listening in right now that isn't you and might be younger, I I'm going to talk about Santa. Um, and um, if you've young people with you right now, I don't want to ruin um, anything. So hit pause, you know, and um, and come back to this a little later. Seriously, I mean seriously. I I'll actually wait a few seconds. I I have a I have a child, and I, I would hit pause. I just don't want to spoil the surprise for next week. You know, with Santa coming. Okay, thanks. Okay, have you done that now? Okay, I'm going to have to assume you've done it now. And if you haven't, I think I've given you a fair game here. So what I did there was I protected your kids from something they probably suspect anyway, especially if they're about 10 or 11 years old. It's the Santa Claus effect. And pretending to reopen schools because it was essential for children's education and well-being was kind of the Santa Claus. We, we've all kept up the pretense. I mean, the entire population probably knew that the reality was this was all just a big fantasy. But we, we kept going on with the big story that opening schools was all for the children and their well-being and their friends and all that kind of stuff. Well, look, now we know the truth. Happy Christmas. Anyway, ultimately, the question has to be asked. Who's actually in charge of schools? Is it boards of management? Or is it the Department of Education? I mean, we could open this question further to include patron bodies, but at least they do have a, de a defined way of being in charge of upholding the ethos, and it's very separate. And they can, I mean, they can dissolve a board of management, for example, if they do something that's against the ethos of the school. I mean, that's really their only role. They only really get involved when the ethos is being challenged. So, for example, in a Catholic school, they could dissolve a board who supported um, a principal who was running an LGBT plus event, for example. Um, technically, they could. Um, however, when it comes to actually managing the entire school and deciding something as big as a decision to close the school, who's in charge?
That's the question you need to ask. Well, it seems from this episode, you know, not this podcast episode, this episode in Claire Myers, it really isn't clear. Alan Hines, who's, um, I don't know if he's the main boss man or he's in charge of or whatever, you know, what his actual role is. I know him, I'm kind of getting to know him a bit better now and I should really figure out what he does. Uh, but I think my understanding is he's kind of like the equivalent of the bishop um, in the St. Saint Sen- Saint Senon's dioceses. I think um, the way Catholic schools are divided out, they're divided into kind of different sections and um, uh, dioce- dioceses. Uh, but St. Senon's takes in a few dioceses as far as I can see. But anyway, he uh, spoke on Twitter today of a school in his parish, for want of a better word, who also decided to close and was forced to reopen. And it's well worth reading the tweets. I'm only reading half of it uh, because it's a seven-part tweet, so it's it's not that long because tweets are very short. But I'm just going to uh, read what he had. Uh, this is from about the fourth tweet down. The board clarified that they were closing on health and safety grounds and not on public health grounds and asserted their legal right to do so. This is the school in his area. The Department of Education then demanded in very strong terms that the school opens, still referencing public health and ignoring the health and safety grounds the board cited. The board made several requests for the legal grounds for the instruction, but the question was repeatedly ignored. The principal and board felt intimidated and yielded to the Department of Education instruction. My own letter, and this is Alan's own letter, on behalf of the patron to the Department of Education was ignored, largely, I guess, because there's no legal grounds for that instruction. Boards of management in schools have legal duties under health and safety legislation, not to mention other legal duties, and are required to act in good faith according to their best judgment. The Department of Education rode a roughshod over that and did so with no legal grounding. So very strong words there from uh, a patron body there, and, um, you know, very interesting at the same time. Uh, that there was no legal grounding for the Department of Education to insist the school stayed open. In some ways, it kind of answers my question that I just asked. However, the reality is we now have two schools who tried to close um, for health and safety reasons and were intimidated to open again by the Department of Education. And intimidated is a word I've heard used. So it isn't absolutely clear, really. Now, we have to remember why this is. Why didn't, why didn't the board just tell the Department of Education where to go with themselves? Well, remember, a board is made up of well-meaning volunteers and they've no legal training, they've no HR, they've nothing that could equip them against the might of a very large organisation. And, and this is kind of why it works in favour of the Department of Education, in my, in my opinion now. This is me <laughs> giving my, my, my opinion. I mean, a board's job, for me, in reality, is to keep the show on the road for the Department of Education. That's its job. It just has to keep the show on the road. And the Department of Education basically outsources all of its duties to, let's say, a church body in 97% of cases, who basically in turn outsource this to a group of people in, in exchange for funding. And in many cases, uh, these, this group of people who are the board outsource their responsibilities to the principal of the school, who in turn has to outsource some of those responsibilities throughout the staff. So. As you can see, there's a lot of outsourcing and it becomes a bit complicated and nobody really knows who's in charge of what, really. And in reality, who, where does the book stop is the question, I suppose. But it also relies, apart from that, forget who's, who, where the book starts, it also relies completely on the concept of goodwill. Or if not goodwill, it relies mainly on nobody challenging the system. I mean, let's look at the scenario again. Okay, back to Claire Morris. What if the board in this school stood by their principles and principal and closed the school down? 
what would happen? Well, the honest answer is nothing really could happen. I mean, the Department of Education might have written a letter to the school to demand they open, they could try and intimidate them, they might have threatened them that funding might be withdrawn. However, legally, I don't think they could have done any of that. I mean, ultimately, I don't think so. I mean, the only thing they could do is ask the school to consider making up the days later in the year to make up the 183 days. I mean, the board could decide how they might do that, and they did. I mean, you could see that in the statement. They'd already planned that out. So, I mean, as you can see, it isn't really that hard to, if the board had just said, you know what, go away, Department of Education. This, we're making, we're going to do the 183 days. I'm sorry for your standardized uh, calendar. I'm, you know, this is a, just a strange year. We just can't really stick with it. However, I can understand if you have the Department of Education threatening you and intimidating you, the inclination really is just to cooperate. Let's, I just give it maybe a different and maybe a more trite example to see. You know, I can see why someone would bow or bow to the Department of Education's demands. Let's say the school inspector comes along to your school, drive-by, you know, as they're known, and she points out a load of stuff she wants you to change in your school. I mean, what would happen if you simply said no? I mean, what could they do? And the simple answer is they couldn't do a thing. I mean, I did this once. When I was a teaching principal, I found the only way I could do my job somewhat reasonably well. Now, it's impossible to do your job well as a teaching principal. Just, it's just impossible. But the only way I could do my job somewhat reasonably well was to teach a support class. I, 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 as a mainstream class teacher, I was, I, I was almost apologizing to everybody every day because I couldn't do both jobs well. But the inspector at the time told me, back to the classroom with you, my friend. Well, he didn't say my friend and he, he wasn't friendly. Um, although he's very friendly now, we actually get on. But anyway, that's, that's an aside. Um, I said anyway uh, to him at the time, because he wasn't happy with me, that my board were very happy with me doing, my, uh, doing support classes and I had their backing. So he wrote to the board to compel me to the classroom. I think the word compel was used. So we ignored it. Um, done. So he stopped anyway. Anyway, he stopped being my inspector that year. So uh, yeah, anyway, that was the end of that. But I mean, the thing was, what can they do? It's not like the UK where they can close schools or fire you or anything like that. You know, where we have a very, very strange system where really nothing, nothing really happens. Even think of your WSE. Like if you had a terrible WSE, what happens? Nothing really, you know, not very much anyway. Anyway, well, you might think I'm going down the route, you probably think I'm going down this road of anarchy here, like this on some crazy anarchist principle, something or other. I, I'm not, um, you know, and I'm not encouraging people to, you know, encouraging people to start throwing burning pitchforks at people, uh, you know, at the department, like nothing like that, you know, but I, you know, I am kind of encouraging people to stand up for themselves, but I am, but I, I mean, that alone, that, that aside, I'm not really doing it for that either. What I'm doing is, what I'm doing is to kind of doing it really to point out how fragile the entire education system is. I mean, whether it's a school that's too nervous to teach the full RSC curriculum in a Catholic school because it might offend the priest, or to the example of an entire group of the entire population of principals who could have refused to take part in this ridiculous cluster games we do every two years with set hours. We could always say no. All principals in the country could refuse to do it because it's a stupid idea. But we never do. And we just don't do it. But we could. <laughs> and given that the Department of Education and other stakeholders know that we just don't do anything and we just seem to suck it all up, this is kind of why we end up in these situations where our conditions are s keep becoming poorer and poorer. 
I mean, just look at all the things we've lost out on in the last decade, the terrible things that have come into our education system. Drid, the PSSA, our PSA, sorry, PSSA vote that we voted against, totally ignored. The school completion program, absolutely, I mean, I don't know what the word is, um, torn apart. I could go on. We're always asking, what will be the straw that breaks the camel's back? Now, some of you might think that this situation in Claremars is that, but I don't think it is. But it's certainly a possible sign that we're getting close. This story is going to go away this week, in a few days. By the time you listen to this podcast, something else will have happened. The IPPN, in fairness, said on a radio interview they stood with Mark Loftus, and the National Principals Forum, as always, have come out strongly as well with a really good campaign. The INTO have been very, very silent and noticeably absent from the discussion. And some people might say throw them a bone, and I am throwing them a bone here too. It does sound like this is something um, that isn't really a union matter, maybe, to a point. I mean, it is and it isn't. I mean, it is people's working conditions. They maybe should have said something to protect the teachers. I don't know. Uh, but I don't hear of any of the unions, in fairness, um, saying anything. I, don't, I didn't see anything from Foresight. I didn't see anything from any of the other agencies. Um, but definitely the CPSMA should be there. They're the Catholic uh, management, agent, uh, man management body, um, and I'm not seeing anything there. Maybe they have, and I just haven't heard it. But there's, the thing is, there's so many organisations uh, with vested interests in schools, uh, and even in this school, like, I mean, I've just listed the IPPN, the INTO, the CPSMA. Like, these are um, three agencies. You probably have others uh, that, they, that they deal with. There's just too many organisations, and maybe this is a kind of a too many cooks uh, situation. I'm not sure. As with most fights, so the fight never really is about the fight, as they say. Claire Morris Boys Schools could have been my school, could have been your school, and I think that's what's got schools so vexed and maybe behind them. There's a lot of people on social media, for example, uh, on the principal's mailing list, all talking about this. Um, I mean, there wasn't as much of a peep, really, I don't think, when the school in Kerry tried to do the same thing the, um, a while back. So maybe it's the timing, too. I mean, it's so close to Christmas. You know, maybe there's people that are worried about catching COVID-19 now means bye-bye Christmas, you know, and that's, that's, the, that's the bare fact of it. Maybe it's the heavy-handed slapdown from the Department of Education that got people's backs up. No one likes to be given out to, especially when you know you're doing the right thing. Or maybe it's the fact that yet again, the HSC and NFET are fiddling the numbers of school community cases and they're using it as an excuse not to close the school down. When clearly, I mean, it, you know, it's, it, it just does not take a, a degree in statistics or a degree in, in, in biology or health or whatever to know that this is a large cluster breakout in the school, 13% and counting. However, as always, it's more than just the situation. It's raised what the government thinks schools are, babysitters. And yeah, I, you know, I've said it, it hurts. It hurts to hear that even if we know that. It's also raised the issue of who really runs schools in Ireland. Boards of management are simply symbolic and maybe they're just a buffer at best. Look, I don't have too much more to say about this. All I want to do is finish by wishing Mark and his community the very best of luck over the next few days and weeks. It's really, really hard to stand up when you know you're going to receive no support. And, um, you know, look, he's 
many of you might not know Mark. I mean, I, I, I can't say I know him that well, but I, I have been following his advice on um, the various mailing lists that I'm on in IPPN. He always gives, you know, really nice um, and measured responses to anything that's happening. Sometimes, you know, I don't agree with him. Sometimes I do agree with him, but he's always really considerate and, and you know, just sounds like a nice nice guy really you know and i imagine this was very very hard for him again i don't know but uh, i suppose you know you, you can possibly tell a lot from the tone of um of an email um over over a period of time but you know i think you know if nothing else he should be really proud of himself he really has um garnered a lot of support that might not have come um if he if he wasn't the person he was or is i mean um and i know he's probably not had a night's sleep uh, since last week or the week before um, because he's just been spending all his time. I know he's been, uh, people have been sending him emails and he's been replying to those at hours of the night that people shouldn't be working. So really he should be proud of himself. And, you know, as I said, Claire Morris might not have a Lidl, but that school certainly has a lot. I hope you enjoyed this episode and be sure to tune in on Fridays when I usually do these uh, episodes. Um, I'm, um, I'm probably going to get back to a normal episode hopefully this coming Friday um, and covering uh, some other topic uh, on if I were the Minister for Education. The last couple have been special episodes I suppose because um, the education system has been in the news yet again and hopefully, gosh, we're in the run up to Christmas now, it won't be the case. Um, if you don't know this podcast and it's been pointed out to you um, from somebody else, you can find it on all your regular podcasting apps. That's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and any other apps you might find. Certainly by just searching for If I Were the Minister for Education or Anshaz Podcast. Um, if you subscribe to this podcast, each new episode will be available to you immediately after its release um, and um, and maybe even a little bit earlier than its official release. Uh, please also feel free to review the podcast so others can find it more easily. That's it. Um, I hope, uh, I, I, I guess, a lot of garbled thoughts maybe in a way. It was a very quickly written episode, uh, obviously with the timing uh, that's there. I wanted to get it out before the end of the weekend. Um, thanks for listening anyway, and we'll catch you soon. All the best. Bye-bye. <laughs>